It's Friday night, everybody. You know what that means. It's Friday night. Let's have some fun. Let's get together and play a ton. I'm Matt. And I'm John. And we're Friday Night Games. We are two board game enthusiasts who want to immerse you into our love of the hobby by bringing you board game content every Friday. We create for several platforms, including Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, the internet, other things, everything. On today's show, we have a very, very special guest with us tonight, designer of Umbervia, Connor Wake. Welcome to our show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Connor is the winner of the 2019 Cardboard Edison Award for the game Umbervia, which is being released on Wednesday, March 17th by Panasaurus Games, and that will be released the week after this podcast releases. We're super excited to have you on the show. We just got off a live stream, so I'm assuming we're all pretty tired. I'm all caffeinated, so we're good. I'm pretty tired. I'm, <laughs> I'm like falling asleep on my mic right now. If you hear like a little bump like like that, that's me falling asleep. I, uh, I managed to win that game, so I'm, I'm just riding that high right now. So. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you, you really did win that game, which we'll talk about in a bit, but... <laughs> Awesome. Okay, so uh, <laughs> Connor, man, so you're on a Canadian podcast. How do you feel about that, eh? Very exciting. I I do know quite a few people from Canada, so... Yeah. Oh, where are boats in Canada? Now I know. Well, one of my friends lives in Montreal. Oh, okay. And then I know someone else who lives near Toronto. That's it. <laughs> I know two people that's from right. Canada. Well, we live pretty close to Toronto. <laughs> and not two more. Yeah, so we actually, we're about four hours away from Toronto. And Toronto is four hours away from Montreal. Yeah. So now you know people who are exactly four hours away from each other. There you go. Cool. My wife used Perfect. to live in Montreal. Oh, uh, so what What do you know about Canada? We will we will answer to a best oh, of our ability. What you don't, what, anything you want to ask? Maybe you, something you don't know? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know. Can I just ban? Also, like, it's because when I visited Montreal, everyone like speaks French there, and like I was taking French in high school, and so I was like, perfect, time to practice my French. But then no one would oh, talk no. to me in French. No, <laughs> That's no. Fine. Yeah, I learned that lesson to not not try that. Did, <laughs> did you did you did you actually try? I'm, I'm guessing when you when you did they just started speaking. tried a couple times they just started speaking yeah English. yeah 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 that's that's what they'll do because they'll, they'll know by your accent like right away yeah oh yeah yep so they know like oh white they're like oh english person trying to speak to me mm, no <laughs> see the problem with our education is we're, we're taught to read and write french but we're not taught to properly speak it mm -hmm. the way way we talk it's like how because the way you speak french is different than how you would write it yeah and that's very clear when you're trying to talk up in Montreal. Yeah. French sounds pretty, but like, no, when I say it. <laughs> <laughs> did you try some poutine in Montreal? I did, yeah. Oh, what'd you, what'd you think? What'd you think? It was good. So there was this poutine place that I went to Berkeley for college, and there was a poutine place that opened up near there, but it was like American poutine. So it was kind of like over the top and absurd. It's probably the one that I went to. Awful. It probably was. <laughs> did you eat the T-Rex? <laughs> so the what? What was the one you ate, John? Called the T-Rex. So it was just like all the meat you can think of on a plate of fries yeah. and gravy and cheese curds. <laughs> it felt like that. But so the one I had in Montreal was like very like fresh in comparison. Mm -hmm. It's the best way to describe it. I don't know. It was good. I had a good time. Yeah. It's a very good fried chicken. I think that was one of my favorite meals. Yeah. Montreal is a very, um, what do you call it? Culinary city. 
they have a lot of mm-hmm. like famous Canadian French Canadian chefs who are phenomenal yeah. at food. My friend took me to a like very fancy ten course meal restaurant for my birthday when I was there. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, I it's been so long that I forget what what I ate, but it was good. Awesome. I've got some blurry pictures because it was very dark in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, Montreal is awesome. So now when you come back, well, if you're in Montreal, you probably won't want to visit us because we're eight hours the other way. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're in Toronto, shout us out. We'll meet up or something. Okay. Cool. So let's get to know you a bit. How did you start into the board gaming? What do you What do you do for a living? Did it Did it kind of cross over at all? Or I feel like whenever I say this, for, for a living, I'm a software engineer, and usually everyone's response is like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. Totally. <laughs> You're the rules guy. You're the rules guy. You're the rules guy. Make board games. <laughs> I think I just kind of fell into the software engineering more. I liked doing math and stuff in like school, and then there's no not many jobs in math, so I kind of moved over to computer science. And yeah, I'm here. But like board game wise, I had always liked board games. My favorite when I was a kid was always like playing Scrabble. My grandmother was like really good at Scrabble. Always loved playing with them. And then Monopoly and whatnot, you know. So those are the first ones. Oh and then yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone college, grows up playing yeah. Monopoly, right? Like I think it's like a yeah. mandatory thing. It's like a right which of, I right of loved it as a kid. Now I'm just like, oh no. But <laughs> it was good. Like. There's, there's, I had a lot of good memories with Monopoly. Yeah, there's a, there's nothing wrong with Monopoly because it gets you into the the gaming. You know, it's like yeah. everyone knows how to play it, so it's good and accessible. Right. Yeah. And then college, I didn't really play many board games because like no one had board game groups when I was in high school. Actually, that's a lie. I was, <laughs> I ate lunch in the chess club room. <laughs> <laughs> that's a board game. Like the nerdy. That's a board game. I sometimes they, they played magic and chess there, yeah. and I kind of forget that those are board games sometimes. That sounds like our grade school and high school experiences together. Yeah, it really does because yeah. that's I I didn't realize I hung out in a board game group either until I later like looked back and I'm like, all we did was play magic at lunch. Yeah, yeah that's definitely a board game group. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we actually started playing. We actually I was a good enough student to to finagle a teacher into giving me a TV and me and me and my buddy played smash brothers every lunch in our last year of school. <laughs> but <Nice>. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I did that and I don't know. I always, I played a lot of video games in high school and middle school. And I always, as a kid, wanted to be a video game designer because, like, you know, that's what you do. That's what as everyone a kid wants playing to be. video games. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I you do went... not want to do that now. And then you went into math, and then you're like, "Whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is completely different than what I thought." Yeah. <laughs> video game design would be actually math is pretty close to video game design. Yep. Dealing with vectors <laughs> and stuff, right? But like, yeah, <laughs> it's not what you would. You know, that's kind of a different path. I actually, I actually went into math too, to be honest. Nice. Yeah, so I totally I understand your background there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was going to do that because, like, when I, I don't know, do you, do you remember, like, I don't know if you played Halo back in the day with the Forge mode, the level editor? I spent more time in Halo's, like, level editor than I did playing the actual game. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> nice. Oh, so you, so you, like, knew right away. You're like, I think I like designing, yeah. I've always liked making things, and I like games, but then turns out the video game industry is kind of awful. Um <laughs> So it didn't go in that direction and went the software engineering route because it was tangential to it, I guess. And then eventually in college, I started playing like more board games and me and my partner got pretty into them. And eventually I was just like, I should probably make one of these because that's just what I do with everything. I usually look at the thing and go, I can make that. 
doesn't necessarily work. And that, but... and that right there is your software engineering background kicking in right there. <laughs> You're like, I could totally just do this. Why don't I just do it, right? Yeah. What were some of the games that inspired you in college, like that you and your partner were kind of getting into? We played Agricola a lot. She is very good at all of those farming simulator games. So a lot of that, the the one that kicked me off on the like board game design path was Caverna. I don't particularly like Caverna. I think it's a bit too much for me. (laughs) <laughs> but I really, really liked the part where you lay the domino tiles on top of each other. Okay. And I was like, that's the part I thought was cool. And so I was like, I'm going to make a game that uses that. Uh, that game has never seen the light of day. But like, <laughs> that, that is kind of what kicked, kicked all of this properly off, I would say, was when I was like, I'm going to sit down and do this because this is such a cool mechanic. Nice. By the sounds of it, it sounds like you have created kind of like a plethora of games. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of ideas. I don't necessarily have a lot of fully fleshed out games. It takes a lot for me to like kind of approve the idea, I guess, because most of them are like useless. <laughs> or like if I think about them for more than like 10 seconds, I realize that it doesn't actually make sense. It was just me like thinking something was cool that wasn't. But I mean, that's kind of what I do a lot of the times. It's like that could be a game. Oh, that could be a cool game idea and just write them down. So I have a pretty big list. You definitely sound way bigger than the list of prototypes <laughs> I've got. Yeah, it's funny because like talking to you and then talking to our other two other designer friends, Jim Fitzpatrick from Mission Planet Hacks and Alex Esten from Brick and Brack Games. It just seems like there's always these ideas flying through your heads and you're like, and, and it's like you just like try out a small example and you're like, oh, that didn't work. All right, next yep. one, right? What can I modify? So yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you're always thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's channeling your thinking into the games, right, Connor? Like, that's kind of what you're doing. Yeah. Because right? like if I'm... Back in the day when we like commuted to the office, if I was just like standing there in a crowded train, that would be like kind of what my mind would drift to because I could like pretend it was productive. I mean, ultimately, I'm making a, a board game, so I don't know really how productive it is, but <laughs> you know, if it, it felt better than just kind of like blankly staring at the wall. Yeah, being on social media or whatever, right? Like, yeah, it's like, hey, exactly. I'm doing this. Yeah, I'm totally understandable. Yeah. Cool. So let's get into it. So our listeners are probably wondering about this game, or maybe they already know about it. I don't know. <laughs> but by the time we release this podcast, it will be probably the following Wednesday. So March 17th, which will be out. So we're talking about Umbra Via, published by Pandasaurus Games, designed by Connor. Hey, that's you, right? That's me. Woo! Right. Yeah, unless I dreamed it's all. <laughs> All right, so we're going to describe the game. It is a two to four player abstract game where you try to be the first person to remove all of your soul flowers from your soul tile and then collect your soul tile to win. The game is played over any number of rounds until someone collects all of their stone flowers. Each round consists of two secret bidding rounds and then a tile placement round. On their board, there'll be four paths and the players bid soul flowers to gain the chance of placing them. For a bidding round, you will pull three soul flowers from your bag to be placed secretly behind your screen. No cheating unless you're (laughs) Matt in Tabletop Simulator. Once everyone has placed their three soul flowers, you reveal your bidding boards and add the flowers to each tile that was bid on. After two bidding rounds, you will remove all double point soul flowers because too much flowers are a thing in the game. Players who bid the most get to place each tile, starting the tile with the least votes. Ties are broken by a track um, on the side of the board, and when you tie, that gets rotated down. After tiles are placed, if there are any closed paths, we then figure out the winner 
which is the player with the most soul flowers on that path. That player gets to remove soul flowers from their soul tile equal to the number of tiles. Second place gets soul flowers equal to half of the previous person's tiles rounded down, and so on to the next person until everyone has figured out how many soul flowers they take off their soul tile. And then any soul flowers left from those tiles are put into your bag, including the soul flowers you took from your tile. So tiles with no votes are then discarded with four new tiles are drawn. And the round begins again. And then we do that until someone finally gets their soul tile. It's a pretty simple game. It's We just made it sound really simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like when we played it, it was very easy to learn, which I always like. So I'm, I hate, I'm not a rules person. It was really easy for me to understand and just jump right into play, which was, which is nice. Whoever made those rules did a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that was. I'll let, I'll let them know. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt, what did you like about the game? I loved it. I loved it. Honestly, it is more simple than the rules make you even realize. I know we we kind of like summed it up a little bit, and it is. I I feel like that's kind of how the game plays out that. Quick quickly and with those rule with that kind of flow i really like the two-part bidding system which i i think everyone likes that right connor yep yeah the, <laughs> it's always entertaining because it's like a lot of people point out the same sorts of things and i'm always like so it's always nice hearing them yeah yeah it's, it... <laughs> i don't know where that went see how i dragged I'm you not... in there <laughs> get ready for it oh gosh <laughs> i'm just kidding but i really like how that allows you to kind of like strategize a bit allows you to kind of fool your opponent it, it obviously like when when john and i played it with just me and him it was a lot easier to focus on trying to fool john or what john was doing on the stream is a little bit more difficult because you're trying to interact and trying to explain things right but i also like how the game plays pretty fast one could argue that there's a runaway leader but i didn't really see it because especially in our live stream with three players even though connor you were far ahead i felt like we caught up pretty quickly mm -hmm. right and that and that has to do with the fact that once you get more soul flowers off your board the two point ones they go back into your bag and then when you pull them again they actually do not go they do not count towards the scoring of the tiles when you when you yeah. do your summoning so i think that that actually helps out a lot with someone who may be a little bit behind in the game yeah it's a cool way to balance that took me a while to come up with that one so <laughs> it's good to hear that it works yeah yeah no it's it's great and then connor so this is for you well actually john what did you like about the game sorry i kind of missed that yeah no that's okay <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna piggyback off what you said matt like what i really like about it is that you know it's it'll be easy to teach it's easy to play and i feel like it's something that i would actually want to bring to the table more often and when i play games i look at can i play it with my wife i will will she enjoy it and you know what and then now that my my kids getting into board games like well how can i play this with with my kid and have them enjoy it as well and i think it's just like it's just one of those games that just seems like just super casual to play like i like having conversations when we play as well and this game allows you to do that but still being strategic and the two bidding system is amazing i like how i always like to try to figure out like how can i like screw somebody over as well <laughs> so it's like if i know like you're going for a tile i can just like or i know that you want to go for a tile i can just like pretend and spend that, one bidding to, in like, that first round you, right yeah. in the first round you can just kind of if yeah. you're paying attention so yeah. I, I i like how there's like that little bit of a take that element to it if you want yeah it was super i just had fun playing it it was probably like my third or fourth time playing it awesome so connor this is for you what were some of your favorite reactions for players that you witnessed playing your game yeah so my favorite is it's usually a variation of this, but it's I don't usually like area control or bidding or abstract, but like I like this one. That's I've heard that like quite a few times and it always makes me quite happy because like it's a little bit what I wanted to go for with this is area control and bidding. I feel like you're kind of contentious 
mechanics sometimes in games. So so just so just to note, like what would area control be? Like someone who didn't like who doesn't like area control, what what pro what don't they like? Yeah. So usually area control games, I mean the typical ones are just like war games, right? That's like, you know, troops on a map running around Round, you try and kill as many of the other person's stuff as possible. That's not all area control games, but like a lot of them kind of fit into that. And a lot of them are still very confrontational. Like, how do you take control of an area? Well, you need to get rid of the other person. That's usually a mechanic in there. And so I specifically took that out. There's no removal of anyone's pieces, except like when you score a thing, but that's that's good. That's good for you. So I specifically wanted a game where everyone has the same amount of stuff the pretty much the entire time. And it's more how can you distribute it? Can you be like sneaky with how you're like divvying things up throughout the areas? So that was one thing I just wanted to like take that confrontational in nature out of area control. And then the bidding, I like bidding, but I know a lot of people don't like it because, well, if you fail at the bid, you know, someone else gets it, you just feel bad because you don't have anything now. Yeah. But like as much as Umbravia is a bidding game, it's it's kind of more of an allocation game. If there are four tiles and you've got six flowers to distribute between them. Whoever puts more on a certain tile gets to place it, but like all of the flowers that you put on that tile, they're going onto the board anyway, and they're going to be useful for you on the board still. So like you know, you haven't lost anything. It actually might be exactly what you want for you to like come in second place on all of these tiles. Because now you're going to be in all of the areas and it makes the other person have like a difficult decision of like, okay, they didn't win, but I'm still annoyed that they're here. <laughs> right? You're right. Like, so you still feel that, that like it was useful. And so those two things were like, those two pieces were things I really wanted to like focus on and make it, make it less confrontational in the area control, make it feel like it was like worth it still when you were bidding and everything you were doing was like important. And then also I just wanted it to be like a chill game. Like you can get cutthroat if you want to, but I kind of wanted people to be able to engage at whatever level they wanted to. So like a player who is sitting there trying to math the entire thing out will probably do probably do better against a person who's just like kind of picking what they feel is good. But the person who's picking what they feel is the right thing just kind of off of their gut is going to have a good time and still do pretty decently. That was that was me. <laughs> that was me tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because like a lot of games you look like if you don't have the energy, you just can't play it. Right. Or you're going to have a bad time or everything's going to fall apart and the game's going to keep telling you no over and over. Whereas this one, if you don't have the energy, you're just not going to do as well. But you're probably still going to have a good time and you're still going to get some clever moves in here and there and it's still going to like, still going to be good. You're still going to be a thorn in the other player's side. Hearing you kind of explain it and break it down that way just just proves that there's like so much depth and thought you've put into the the design of this game that if like just looking at it at face value there's just like it's just so much deeper and involved than i guess it makes it look like if if i'm articulating that correctly yeah it seems like you put so much thought into the design and how the outcome of this game that i think like everything just sort of you just sort of thought about everything and nailed everything pretty darn good well, thank you <laughs> but with that in mind was there anything that you weren't satisfied when you were creating umbervia yes Lots of things. <laughs> so, like, I, I wasn't satisfied with it until, like, I mean, even after the card went as an award where I submitted it and it did end up winning, there were still parts that I wasn't satisfied with. I think that, I mean, partly that's just the nature of it. But there were some big things that I wasn't satisfied with, which was, like, the trickiest thing to deal with. So I didn't want something where the game was prescriptive about how you should win. Because I feel like that's part of what, like, pushes people away from some games where 
if they can't read what the like correct combination of cards is, you know, if you like magic, if you put like five cards out in front of someone, someone who's got enough brain power and energy can crunch through and figure out the right order to play them in, right? Right. And that's kind of just it's there. That's already there. You just have to figure out the puzzle. But I wanted it to be fuzzier than that, so that there wasn't necessarily a correct answer. There were just a bunch of answers that were probably one of them was maybe better than the other, but it might be not as good in other ways sort of thing. And that was not happening for the longest time. Because <laughs> for a while, it was just like, there was a very obvious thing to do, which was like, in some versions, it was you need to make the biggest path and you'll just make the biggest path and that's it. In some versions, it's make it as small as possible. And, you know, you could look at the game, figure that out after the first play, and then that was the strategy going forward. And then someone who played the game once now can just crush the person who's just started playing because they've like seen it before. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that. I wanted like new situations to kind of dynamically come up to throw people off every time and like never let the person who's played it a lot just be confident, you know, <laughs> I wanted them to have to like keep thinking. So that's where the bidding comes in and all that. But yeah, like the scoring system is the biggest enemy of that, basically. Because the scoring system is just like, here's some points for doing a thing. Mm. Which is exactly the opposite of, you know, that kind of fuzzy, can you kind of into it what the best thing is to do. Because you just look at it and we'll go like, well, that's three points and that's two points. So I'm going to take the three point thing. So I, for the longest time, it was just stuck in that thing. If you just looked at it and like, well, the bigger path's worth more, so I'm going to make it bigger. And I could not solve that problem for the longest time. Like People were having fun with it, but I just it just wasn't satisfying to me because of kind of all of that. Does that make sense? I know I kind so of you, rambled. So you, no, no. So you saw the flaws with it yourself, right? You're making a game. You saw people mm-hmm. were enjoying it, but you saw the flaws that you wanted to make better. So you're, yeah. you couldn't stop until you, you fixed those problems, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's awesome. That's like a good designer way to look at it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess you're saying that was actually the stickiest point to creating this game mm-hmm. was the whole point system, right? What do you think was the biggest yeah. success of this game? Like what mechanic or, or anything of it do you think that was the most successful part if you could be like i know this is hard this is your baby yeah yeah <laughs> you can't just point out one and you're like hey there's eight things there they're all awesome but which one really jumps out to you yeah it's tricky I'm, i'll give you my favorites and then i'll kind of cheat and <laughs> do the whole thing okay because i think the biggest thing about Arvia is like people keep saying like oh this is like very unique and different and i'm always like huh is it so why why do you so why do you think it's not unique and different i think it's just the process i came up with it was like well of course this guy's here <laughs> like, <laughs> like like as you're creating the parts just kind as of I was creating it, like yeah it just all kind of fell into place like i so that's i'll get back to that in a bit okay my favorite parts my, my the mechanics that i think really make it like click and work perfectly are that double bidding i think that does that perfect balance between like getting a bit of surprise in there that like a blind bidding has but also making it so you can be a bit more strategic because you've got two rounds to kind of see what happens over and then the order that the tiles go out in being like dynamic based upon like well the most popular one is going to go out last so the value of the tiles there is no this tile is worth three points because it can go fit in that spot. That kind of fits into that whole thing about it didn't want there to just be like a point value on the thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got different point values for the tiles and you can never look at it and be like, that's worth three points to me. You have to be like, well, it could be worth three points, but it might be worth nothing. <laughs> but it's more likely to be worth three points. So I think I'm going to, you know, so like those two mechanics, I think, fit together quite nicely. My, 
housemates who I was uh, playtesting a lot of this game, they basically came up with those two. <laughs> it's this is how like a lot of game design works. I feel like I'm more like a director and like a, <laughs> I want it to work like this. And your 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 housemates are your actors, and they're like, "Well, I want to change it. <laughs> this is what I would do in my play, right?" Exactly. I'm like, okay, this is the feeling I want to happen. Like it needs to do this, and I don't, you know, I'm like approving or disapproving or whatever of things. So like the two round bidding, my housemate Jordan Neal, he, I was talking about like, well, I, exactly what I said of a full on blind bid. I don't think works because it's too out of nowhere. But uh, like everyone ups their bid one at a time is too slow. And that's kind of the problem with a lot of bidding games anyway. And then he just looked at, looked at me and was like, well, just do it in the middle then. Just do two rounds. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that does fit my criteria. huh? And then the order of the tiles. I kept seeing that the tiles, originally they went out from like one to four. And I kept seeing that the first one was just bid on the most. And that was again, boring because to me, because now there's a value if a tile is in spot one, now it's got plus two value, you know, <laughs> right? It's very easy to just see that. And if you've got all the calculations in the head, you just calculate it. But so I looked over at my other houseman, uh, Jevin Kokash, and he, and I said, it should be based on the number of like cubes on the tile. Uh, and I was like, it should be like the most cubes to the least. And he looks at me, he's like, no, it shouldn't. It's like least cubes to most. And I was like, right. <laughs> then it balances the two, right? The most popular tile gets the least popular yeah. like placement order. Yeah, which which we learned was a good way to like mess over your opponents, right? You know what they're trying to <laughs> yeah. place, and you're like, well, I'll just place this where they wanted to place the other one. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's a pretty good, yeah, pretty good strategy. I'm happy your your housemate mentioned that. It's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely couldn't have made this game without them. So those two, those two are the things I think like make this game like really work. And the ones, they're also the ones that people point out the most. But I am also just the board. I think is the hidden secret like best mechanic. The four by four board that the tiles go onto. It took me so long to figure that one out. Which sounds silly, because originally there was no board. Well, there was a board, and then there was no board. Whoa, whoa, I, there's no there board? Different size board. Wait, what happened? Yeah. Wait, what happened when there's no board? How did that work? <laughs> just keep, I mean, right. You just keep making tiles. You keep placing them side by side. Yeah. Basically? So, oh, really. and this was this was the solution to the scoring issue, because mm -hmm. I was trying to make the scoring work, and so sometimes I took the board off, and sometimes I put the board back on to make the scoring work, because the scoring just would not work. So basically, there are three scoring systems, roughly. One of them is each path is worth the same no matter how long it is. Each path is linearly, gives you points based on how many tiles. And then there is like an exponential one where the longer the path, the more points you get like in an exponential, right? Those are kind of like the rough ways to break down the points. None of them work. Because if you give one point, if you give points for the path, no matter how long it is, small paths are the best. If you give exponential points, biggest paths are the best. If you give linear points, biggest paths are still the best, but not quite that good. But it's like, you still want it to be bigger. And it was the board. Putting the board with linear scoring fixed it. Because that was what I realized is it's it's not very helpful to have like two of the same incentives fighting each other. So like you can't just give less points versus more points because you'll just find where the maximum between those two is and get the most points still. But with the board and linear scoring, the bigger path is better, but the board doesn't let you make a big path because it's so small mm -hmm. and you have to work around everyone else. So it's not the exciting one, but like that mechanic is, and it's like not quite a mechanic, but just like the four by four board that everything fits into nicely and is the right shape that everyone's just kind of bumping in into each other constantly. A constraint, really. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you try with smaller boards? Did you try like three by three and see how the game went? Three by three 
is too small. <laughs> we did five by five, five by four. We did a four by infinity. Um, oh. Where basically it just goes out in a long yeah. column. Uh, there was a lot of variations of this thing. But yeah, so like it was that putting two competing incentives against each other. It's you want to make the longest pass possible to get the most points, but you can't because that's going to be tricky. If you can pull it off, perfect. But like the board is like fighting you constantly. Yeah, that's that's a really good, that's a really interesting way of putting it. Like I said, the ton of depth. <laughs> <laughs> how many how many times did you play test this? I'm just curious. Oh gosh. I... <laughs> I'm just curious because it sounds like you had a lot uh, of iterations know. and a lot of like thoughts on it, right? So I know you had to. Like... Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, it's like each playtest is a different game, essentially. Mm, yeah, because that's the thing with like smaller games too. You can't really like with a big game, you can kind of mold it to what you want, and you know roughly what it should look like because you want to make a big game about farming, and it's going to probably stay about farming, right. right? If it changes to something else, you you've done something completely different, <laughs> right? Right, but like this game where I was like, I want this kind of fuzzy feeling of like indirect but direct like area control with each other trying to make all of those work is just a lot of swapping in and out of mechanics and stuff so if it didn't work i just completely changed the thing for the next playtest. the very first version of this had polyominoes oh, <laughs> oh you <laughs> fell on the polynomial uh, yeah i, I you bid on polyominoes. that did not work at all so it just it was gone and there used to be like 10 different types of tiles and now there's three you you thought it you thought it was gone but i'm sure there's a game where you could bid on <laughs> polynomials out there right now <laughs> i'm i'm Tet working on it still are you <laughs> tetraminos tetraminos i think is the word yeah use. yeah yeah it every playtest it changed and then the playtest where it doesn't change is the one where you're like ah okay there's something here now and then three playtests later it changes <laughs> right <laughs> But like, I feel like that's the pattern for the first like two or three months. It's just changing every single time. Yeah. This is playing it like once or twice a week. I don't know. I don't know how many times I played this today, but maybe a hundred or something. Well, that's, that's, that's a lot. Well, I'm glad you got to this version because it's pretty awesome. <laughs> so. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, finally it's over. But then it's not really over because then you probably have like another three projects ready to go, right? Oh, they're all different. No, it's fine. <laughs> But it's nice coming back to this after like a year and a bit of not touching it because I, I do get to kind of experience it again. Like yeah. a lot of these thoughts and strategy and things I completely forgot about until I played it and then it just like reminded me. I'm like, oh yeah, I did that. <laughs> I did put all these complex systems in there. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, okay. So let's talk a little bit about, I mean, this game was developed a while ago now. Now we're in 2021. Mm -hmm. It was actually developed in yeah. 2019, right? So you... 2018. 2018. Wow. Okay. So yeah. you won the 2019 cardboard mm -hmm. edison award so first of all congratulations on that i really don't know what it is so we're gonna probe you about that in a second <laughs> <laughs> and just so everyone knows so we're gonna wrap up umbra via right now so just so everyone knows the hype is real it's a really good game plays with it plays well for any gamer there's a ton of depth which you just heard us get into a second ago and especially if you're into really abstract games or even if you're not in abstract games i could highly recommend it it's quick to learn and play and just just go buy it already so, <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's out on march 17th by pandasaurus games so that's that's awesome. So let's shift a little bit here and kind of get into a different part of Umbravia. So let's learn about your experiences with that award. So like I said before, I actually have no idea what it is. Do you have any idea, John? It sounds like a award for maybe like indie board game 
designers to, to put their best idea forward. From my understanding, a bunch of people play the games and vote on the best one. Okay. Connor, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that, at a high level, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's specifically for unpublished designs. So you don't necessarily have to be like a complete unknown or anything. But usually it's most people's like first. It's, it's a lot of unpublished designers in there. So was there any names you're competing against that you like recognize right off the bat? Like anyone you're uh, like, oh, this person, I played their game or I don't know. No, I think a lot of a lot of like established designers don't really enter contests because like they can just go to a publisher and be like, here's my had a paper with an idea on it you want to publish it and we're like yeah <laughs> so a lot of a lot of like really established designers don't don't really enter contests their contests are you know like the spiel of jars okay <laughs> so, <laughs> this is this is for like people who are it's their, like usually their first like fray into like getting a board game kind of across that like line of showing it to other people who you don't know. So Carbon Edison Award, uh, it runs every year and there's kind of two parts to it. The first part is you submit your rule book, your quick description and a less than five minute video, which most, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not very good at making videos and like stuff like that, <laughs> which is totally fair because like it's a whole other skill. Oh, but, we know. We know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we know. It's so, we, we do just a, just quick aside here. We do, you know, uh -huh. we start off podcasting a uh, year and a half ago and then now now as we're getting into it we're like oh more people are like oh we like your stuff but you need to start doing video and we're like oh my lord there's <laughs> just so much you need to know and then you're yeah, like gosh. you think you know enough and you're like nope you don't know enough there's like 10 other scales you got to go through right yeah anyways sorry Boop, yeah. back it up <laughs> back to what you're saying <laughs> so yeah you um you submit the video which is like it's it's difficult it's definitely a different skill but i i feel like the competition kind of maps how pitching to publishers works anyway yeah because mm -hmm. uh, that's actually kind of what you have to do a lot nowadays is you send the publisher a video or if you're not sending them a video you're sitting in front of them and you've got like three minutes to explain why your game is worth them spending thousands of dollars on um, <laughs> seems like right. a video is almost easier at that point yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like i was i should have done the video <laughs> exactly i'm like i will happily record of it and like god you don't really have to submit like a high tech video or anything mm -hmm. i i just did the judging this year there's a lot of videos that are just like someone's like iphone camera that they're just holding and just one take and just talking oh that's perfectly like, fine i feel like i hate to be like this but i feel like we should troll it a bit like we should make like the shakiest video <laughs> to submit and then like and then like connor of course you'll know it's us and you're like oh those idiots <laughs> yeah I'll just give you ones all across the categories. <laughs> no, come on, we'll bribe you. We'll put we'll put we'll give you like a shaky video, but like a fifty dollar bill. Canadian one, it's right. Yeah. Canadian? Yeah. Like, not send those. <laughs> well you can see through them. That's pretty cool. Perfect. <laughs> Invisible money. You're like, all right, a two across the board. <laughs> So once you do that, it's the rule book and the video. Then it goes through judging and what they're kind of looking for in that first round is like the hook of the game because they can't play it, right? So they can't be like, oh, secretly when you play it five times, it becomes really good. You you need to be able to kind of convey what the cool thing is about your game. Wow. So that that's really, so really you're just watching videos as a judge at first, right? So I'm assuming that's the first process. Yeah. Right? yeah. First process. Because like there's a lot of games that kind of like, there's a lot of games. And they're only going to pick, I think, 10 or 20 to go to the playing round. Because if you played all 250 games. Wow. Two, let's just say. 250 games? Yeah. 
Whoa. Yep. So hold on. How many how many minutes per video? Like five or five. Yeah. Five? Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's that's a lot. Yeah, so there's a lot of judges and I don't know, my process for judging it is I'll the first weekend you get them, I'll just read all not read all the videos. Watch all the videos and then like stew on them for a day or two and then come back and like kind of do a second pass because trying to do them all at once is like difficult. So, so basically you're trying to get which ones really excite you, which pitches. Yeah. yeah. Which ones sound interesting, which ones sound like they would like work mm-hmm. too. That was a bit trickier to figure out, but like some of them you can tell like, I don't know, there's sometimes there's just like magic clones and you're like, eh. Not super interesting. Yeah. Sometimes there's something that's really sounds really cool, but then when you get it into into like the real world, it doesn't work. And then sometimes it sounds really cool and it works. I just have a question. So when when we were learning how to play the game, I obviously came across the video that you posted, the how to play video, which walked through like the rules. Was that the video you submitted? Yes. That nice. was. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that was put... basically a how to play video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tricky. I feel like a lot of people enter and get sometimes get a little disappointed because if they enter like some like five hour epic game summing it up in five minutes they're like you can't do it and it's true you cannot do a rules teach in five minutes oh my god this you're teaching me how to troll this thing so bad right now i'm just like i'm just gonna make like this super large game yeah i'm gonna be hated i'm gonna be hated <laughs> A lot of people come out of it and are like, oh, this doesn't feel fair. But like, sure. But realistically, you need to be able to sell someone on your game. If it's a three hour epic game, you still need to be able to sell someone on it pretty quick. Right. right? If you can't, if it takes more than five minutes to explain to get someone interested, at the least. Yeah, the gist. You need to give the gist within five, right? Like, even if it is like you're creating Dungeons and Dragons 2, right? You still need to be able to explain what it is. Yeah. No matter what, unless you're self-pub, even if you're self-publishing it, right? If Even if you're going on Kickstarter, you still need to be able to explain to people why your game is good or worth their money. So that's step one, is that kind of pitch, essentially. Step two, once they've once they've gone through all the pitches, they all get scored and averaged across all the different categories and all that, then they then you send in your game. Well, back in the day, <laughs> you would send in your game. Right. And then the group of designers and judges and all that would get together and play them all. So what so what happens now? Do you does does the person have to make like a tabletop simulator version? Yeah. Oh okay. there's two they've split it up into two tracks now. So because I think they some of the judges have big enough like quarantine groups or families, whatever, such that they can play them, but there's not as many people who can do that. And then everyone else does tabletop simulator. So they basically, once they pick the top 20, they're like, okay, are you going to do tabletop simulator or are you going to send us a game? Do you have to get help? Do they assign you help? Or like, what if you're like terrible at the computer? Yeah, no, they, well, in that case, they're just like, yeah, you can send it. Like they, they don't turn you down or anything. I think some people are just, there's pros and cons, right? If you send in a copy, you have to be good at crafts. And then you have to spend a bunch of money on shipping it and making sure it gets there, make sure all the components are right, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Tabletop simulator, you can edit until the last minute. Doesn't cost much. <laughs> just time and knowledge. So it's just up to the, the whoever's sending in their game, basically. Wow. That was a lot of knowledge we just went through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. We did, I'm like, we didn't Sorry. even get the question too. No, no, that's cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the award is good. I, I guess I should explain like what the point of it is too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, so let's say you've done all this, you finally win. What do you get? Everyone gets feedback at the least. So that's like a big part of it is the judges, even on the pitch, will give feedback. And it could be feedback on the pitch. Like it sounds interesting, but like I don't quite understand this thing. So if you're going to pitch it, you need to 
kind of explain. I, I was actually just going to say, like, because maybe some of these people have amazing ideas, but they're, like, terrible at explaining their game, yeah. right? Which which totally can happen. And I've, I've done that. I've looked at the video and been like, I don't get it. But then I've read the rule book and I've been like, oh, cool. And so in my notes section, I'll be like, yeah, at first I didn't get it because, like, you were missing this part. I think this is the cool part of your game, so please emphasize it. Yeah. So, like, uh, that's how I do my feedback, at least. So, yeah, everyone gets feedback from, I think, at least three judges on their game. And then if you make it to the finals, you get even more feedback because now they're actually playing it. And you get feedback from, like, everyone. Wow. How how nerve-wracking is that? Because obviously you made it to the finals. How nerve-wracking was that experience <laughs> yeah, for you? <laughs> Were you just like, oh man, why? <laughs> the worst part was they'd post pictures of them playing the game on like social media and oh, they'd be like, oh no, no. Oh, <laughs> oh no, there it is. <laughs> they, if I, oh man, this, this, if I was a judge, I would totally post like me being angry playing every game. <laughs> John's just shaking his head right uh, now. <laughs> yeah, it was because it's not like there's a live stream and you can watch it. It's just, right. you know, you'll be like, Oh, oh, there's another picture. Oh, shoot, there's Umbravia. Are they having fun? Do I want to look? They should live stream it. We know because we do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like, it was good. And then I was definitely not expecting to win. Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, I wasn't expecting to get into the finals in the first place. So, um, well, then that's a great, su- that's a great su- surprise, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, yeah. you're very thankful and... You're just like, well, I submitted it, and wow, what a what a you know, like I think yeah. that's that's how normal people win. It's just like you, <laughs> you submit it, you're like, my that pile of junk won. Wait until you see rubber ducks fighting monkeys or something. I don't know. <laughs> that's the <Yeah>. real game, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm super excited to play the other like finalists. Yeah. Cause so that's kind of what you get from winning is well one you win i got a little badge pretty sure the umbravia panasaurus page has the little like cardboard edison award logo on it Mm -hmm. that's nice but then the other thing is just like everyone can see you now everyone can see your game yeah so when i pitch it to people it's got like basically a seal of approval from a bunch of established designers and publishers and the same goes for like all the other finalists too so even if you don't win a lot of people get picked up anyway yeah i, I did notice that i did notice like your year there's a couple of games I'm like oh those games got picked up so you know yeah. obviously to make it just to the finals is is an award in oh, itself yeah. right yeah like i looked at the the person who got third place for humors when i saw that one i was like i wanted to design that game that's oh, so cool oh, yeah like and i was i was <laughs> Sure, that one was gonna win, and but I've kickstarted it now, so I get to have a copy of it anyway. So it's perfect. <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what you get for winning, like quote unquote fame. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> fame in the board game community, right? Like hey, we heard, yeah, we heard yeah. about you. Yeah, <laughs> it worked. It worked. Yeah, exactly. So what made you want to enter Umbravia into this contest in the first place? Yeah. So I'd been working on it for a while and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it because I'm not very good at taking compliments or having a lot of like confidence in my stuff. So I wasn't sure that it would be anything. I was, I'm not Typical one of those people software who would be engineer like... <laughs> slash math degree right there. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> So I just, I was like, well, what do I, I, I didn't start this being like, I'm going to make a bunch of money and become famous in the board game scene. I was just like, I just want to do this. And so when I saw the award, because I'd been like reading all sorts of blogs and Cardboard Edison also does like a, a super cool like blog where they kind of aggregate all sorts of game design knowledge from everywhere. So I've been following them and I saw the award and I was like, 
that'd be kind of a good like push to finish this game. Like, cause I didn't know what to do with it. And that seemed like a good goal. It's like, if I can submit it to this, I've done something with it. It's not just like sitting in the cupboard. So yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. <laughs> well, that's, that's awesome. So that's, that's, I'm like, I'm glad that like, you know, you saw that and you're like, well, I have this game and if this is going to push me to finish it, then why not? Like, that's a, such a good reason to enter, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of for, forces you to like put finishing touches on it and get it out there. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, make a rule book. Rule book was tough. <laughs> yeah, rule books are always tough. <laughs> I sat down with my friend who's a product UX designer. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't do rule books for a living, but like she does a lot of design stuff for a living. And so we went through the whole thing trying to figure out the correct layout and the order in which to do things and everything. Having having friends who are good at <laughs> good at things is always nice. Mm, absolutely. That's why I have John. He's very good at everything I'm not good at. So we talked about how nervous you were. What was the most nerve-wracking part of the process for you? Uh, there's probably two. The The most nerve-wracking, or the, the single moment where I was like, oh, shoot, was when I saw a picture of Umbravia being played that they posted. And I saw all of the soul <laughs> cubes on the board. Oh, because you're like, <laughs> Which not, is a pretty all... big issue. Yeah, like they're not all and I was like, on the board right now. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> because it turns it from a a mechanic that kind of reigns in the leader a bit and makes you as the leader have to be careful into a complete runaway leader issue. Wow! Um, so I, I messaged them on Facebook or whatever. I was like, "Uh, I think you got the rule wrong," which was me just being like, "Shoot, I did not emphasize that enough in the rule book." Yeah. So I immediately went in to the rule book I was like okay double bolding that mentioning it twice because <laughs> like, if you miss because there's some rules if you miss some rules like the tiebreaker rule like mm-hmm. sometimes people think the tiebreaker stack should be used for breaking ties for the points which John if you, almost you did miss today, that so, yeah yeah and if you miss that it's it's fine it's okay if you miss that soul flower one where they go onto the board instead of like discarding them in the game the entire game breaks <laughs> Yeah. Oh. So, <laughs> oh. So they had the two point soul flowers on the board. They oh. had them worth double on the board too, oh, instead man. of worth zero oh, on the board. Yeah, I can see how. Yes. That, <laughs> I can see where yeah. you're going with that. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. But like, uh, as soon as I messaged them, they're like, "Oh yeah, well let's we'll go fix that." Um, <laughs> so I'm glad I caught that. That's my like anxiety checking all the pictures coming in handy. <laughs> well, what was the second one? You said there was two points where you got really nervous. There were. Yeah, I mean, I guess just also like just entering it in the first place and like finally submitting it i mean like i have no clue if this video is any good i don't know if the game is good i don't know what feedback i'm gonna get like that first round (laughs) the first round of blind feedback oh must be terrible eh (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just didn't know for like a week i was like should i have done that like it worked out what was their biggest criticism or, or can you not share that? I don't know. I don't know. What the, I don't no, know what the I, inner totally. workings. I don't know what the inner workings of the cardboard Edison is. Yeah, like, no. I mean, all the feedback was good. Okay. There wasn't. No one went like, "I just hate you." <laughs> that's, <laughs> good, that's do, good. Do you kind of wish you did? Because then you have like a great story afterwards. <laughs> You're like my hero on the panel. Told me my game was the worst game. There yeah, I don't have any like. Someone was out to get me the whole time. Okay. No, they're they're all good. Well, I'm assuming they want they want you to succeed, right? So yeah, yeah. So the biggest feedback was one of the pieces of feedback I fixed. One of them I didn't because I didn't think it needed fixing. The one that I didn't fix was the whole abstract 
part. Oh, the, the theme. Umbrave is an abstract game. Right. It's got a theme. I think it's a silly, clever little theme. It's not thematic, but like, I like it. Well, I, I thought it was cool too, because like, like when I played it, I'm like, I actually really like the theme. You're trying to get your soul back. I'm like, that's so cool. It reminds me of The Simpsons yeah. when Bart signs his life away to Millhouse. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <'Cause... laughs> yeah. Like, I wanted to do something different. It kind of ties in. There are paths. You're guiding things along it. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. I, if someone says it's not a thematic game, I'll be like, yeah, of course not. <laughs> I'm not going to, like, fight them on it. Yeah. Personally, I'm like, but that's fine. It, it's The rules are simple enough that you don't need the theme to help you teach it. Mm-hmm. And some games aren't thematic. And they're just fun because of the mechanics. And those mechanics don't show up in any way in real life. So you can't really pick a theme. If you pick a theme, you're just going to make it less interesting. And in my opinion, that's not a blanket statement for all games. Just some games are just, there's no, I would not try to put a theme on it. Right. Because, because then you're going to design to the theme, right? And that may not, yeah. that may not always work. Right. And, when this and if you don't design to the theme, they're going to be like, it's pasted on. And you'll be like, but you told me to paste it on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> You're confusing me, right? Like, that's how that goes. Yeah, so that was the big piece of feedback, was like, it's very abstract. Maybe you want to make this more complicated and put some theme into it. And I tried that for a little bit, but I was like, every time I added more stuff to it or tried to make it more thematic or whatever, it just kind of ruined it. Like, it ruined what I liked about it Yeah. in the end. that It took me a while to be like, oh, all of these famous people who are very good at board game design are telling me I should do this, so I should probably do it. And it took me a while to be like, nah, they're all very good at board game design. Mm-hmm. Them, but like sometimes you just gotta like make it an abstract game that's yeah, fine you're right stick to your guns and just be like look this yeah. is what it is there's gonna be no theme yeah. to this <laughs> just deal with it <laughs> yeah you're gonna have a good time anyway yeah, it'll be I, fine <laughs> yeah exactly and that's why it's so yeah. that's why it works so well because you know you're gonna have a great time playing it yeah. So. yeah exactly yeah was there any heroes on that panel? Like, did you have any heroes on that panel? Or you played the games of? There was a lot of, there was, I don't know if there are any, I don't really have any, like, heroes. Okay. But there were a lot of people who I was like, oh, I know you. <laughs> like, oh, really? <laughs> I've seen your name around. Like, oh. yeah, there's a lot of people. who. <laughs> if you go to the judging page, they've, they've all been around for a while. Nice. So that was the one piece of feedback that I got. What was the other one? The other one was about soul tiles, cubes, flowers. I keep getting that name mixed up. <laughs> the soul flowers so the soul flowers were kind of my like how to make it more interesting when you're ahead i wanted kind of a not a catch-up mechanism because it's not there necessarily to catch up but i wanted something where as you won more it became different not just more difficult because the soul flowers as you get more points they go into your bag and now you've got more soul flowers which are double points for bidding but they're worth nothing for your for the area control so they're like a double-edged sword and i, I like those catch-up mechanisms because in like power grid the catch-up mechanism is straight up like stuff's gonna be more expensive for you now which is not it's just more difficult mm-hmm. whereas this one is like You've got more control, but not more power. So now that you're winning, you have to be more clever instead of just brute force your way through. Whereas like now all the people who are like not doing as well, they can kind of brute force their way through a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's why I did that. But originally they went straight back into your bag, which meant that you drew a lot of them and they're not very good. They're good, but like they're not. if you draw nothing but them, you will lose the game. So I basically fixed that by instead of them going back into your bag after you play them, you just discard them completely. I spent like a whole convention trying to figure out different mechanics of how I could fix that and keep them in. And that that was like a piece of feedback that I got from them and was like, yeah, you're right. Let me let me spend a month and try and fix that one. Wow. <laughs> so, and not not like a straight month, but you know. Right, right. 
So we have basically kind of come to the conclusion of just like, just chuck them. Once they're used, they're gone. And that way everyone will kind of go through them and everyone will see basically the same number. It's so it's, okay. it's funny because I did mention that it's clever that when you get them, they kind of disappear because then it dilutes the winner. Like if someone's ahead, they they, they have a greater chance of pulling those, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's very clever that you pull them and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're gone, right? It's like it kind of mm-hmm. gets you, it gets, lets other people catch up. So I was like, oh, yeah. that's a really cool mechanic. And it's funny, it's funny to hear that that was like, you know, not a sticky point, but like a piece of feedback you had to work on, right? So yeah. It makes sense. So mm-hmm. I, that criticism worked out well then because it's good oh, mechanic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got some feedback about very nice and smooth gameplay wise which is maybe not always the best because sometimes you want those like renders chucked in which is kind of where the special tiles came from a little bit mm-hmm. i did want it to be relatively smooth but the special tiles that i added that do just weird different things you're just kind of there to like throw a little wrench into the shake into the, shake the game up a bit yeah i totally get it so that was added in during the award after yeah after okay yeah i added that after the award that's awesome because i had a couple special tiles originally but i streamlined it down because i wasn't sure if they were good and then the feedback was like no we want something that's like maybe not good and perfect but like makes it interesting nice i added those back cool i'm on the cardboard edison 2019 award results oh page Oh, who's who's on the panel? I, it doesn't say the panel, but just some of the judges' comments. And I wanna—I highlighted my favorite one. I just want to say it. Okay. This game is going to be successful. Boom. <laughs> Process. Boom. 2021. <laughs> so. Future has been predicted, right? It's, it sounds like they really liked your... Well, obviously, they really liked your game you won, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's just like this, that simple sentence is just like, this game's going to be successful. Just That must just be so awesome to hear after like all your hard work put into this game. It was nice. It felt a bit not great when afterwards no one really wanted it because it was an abstract game. Oh, <laughs> that's why the theme thing was thrown out there, right? They're oh, like, yeah. dude, you need no, to put a theme to this. You're like, you're like, fine, let's, let's slap Mickey Mouse on it, man, whatever. <laughs> I had such a tough time with that because I was like, I know it's good, it got this award, but like, like, that's the stick it's like that's the sticking point <laughs> <laughs> yeah but... I, I knew as soon as people play it they gen- generally like it i mean some people don't but that's fine yeah. but it's like getting over that hurdle and i think pandasaurus just kind of saw that that they you know they could they made it very very pretty and presentable and i think what's good about i don't know like how the inner workings of you know going on to pandasaurus and all that that has worked out but they have like a huge year this year with games coming out and it seems like Mm -hmm. they're probably one of the one of the publishers that are releasing a lot of games this year so i think i think you're right this game is going to be successful pandasaurus is huge right now and i think you know they are super excited about this game Mm -hmm. and i I just think it's going to be i think it's going to do very well in my, my opinion based off us playing it how they're promoting the game it being with a, a successful company, it looks gorgeous. It's going to get the right marketing. Yeah, it, it's yeah. all the all the right things uh, are being checked off, right? So <laughs> yeah, they their marketing and everything is great. Like huge shout like out Danny to Danny. was the one who introduced us, right? And yeah, yeah, huge shout out to an Danny. Amazing right job. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, yeah, and like I I got I heard a little bit about um like kind of the process they went through for figuring out like the the kind of theme and setting and everything. Like they put a lot of thought into like how to how to kind of like polish it and make it what it is because it's like yeah they did take the like soul thing but like that alone was definitely not enough and it's like those kind of subtle extra touches that they were able to put on of just like 
the mysterious garden and the flowers and all the components and the look. I mean, the look is just like, I it's wish gorgeous. I could have come up with this gorgeous. look. Yeah. Like just seeing some other content creators, pictures of it. And I'm just like, uh, I can't wait to get that on, yeah. on our table for real. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking uh, forward. To I get to play with my actual copy tonight. So that's going to be good. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. I, just got my real copy today. Um, <laughs> Sweet. So. All right. Well, we don't want to hold you too much. We don't want to hold you with us too much. So let's uh, let's just wrap it up. But before we wrap it up, we want to know one very interesting fact about your game that no one knows. Not Pandasaurus, not the judges, <laughs> maybe not even your mom. I don't know. <laughs> I accidentally spoiled this a little bit. On a, on a Twitch stream that I kind of dropped a little hint in. So some people do know, but not many people know. And I, I do like this story anyway. So when I, I submitted it to Pandasaurus, and since they're a big company, it takes a, it takes a while to kind of go through the process. Uh, so in the meantime, I was just doing other things with Emberview because I never thought that they would pick it up, but this was a complete luxury. So I kind of forgot. And so I was working on it, trying to make different themes and stuff like that. And in, in the sell sheet for Amravia, I had put comes with special tiles because that was one of the big pieces of feedback, right? I didn't put them in because I was currently re-theming the game like 20 times in a row. So I never had time to put the special tiles in. So I just didn't. Um, and then Pandasaurus gets back and was like, we want to play it. Can you send us a copy? I was like, oh no, I don't have the special <laughs> tiles that I promised. So... The special tiles did not exist until I shipped them out. <laughs> and what happened was, I had like, this one special okay. tile, yeah. which was the four-point tile. And originally the four-point tile, you go in and it kind of throws the flowers to different spots. Originally it had much more complicated rules, and it was the only special tile because I couldn't come up with any other ones. So what I did was I split that into two, which is the void tile and the four-point tile. The void tile drops them all on an empty spot on the board, and the four-point tile shifts them over to a existing tile. If you combine those, that was what the four-point tile used to do. So that was my step one. Split it into two. Now I've got two special tiles. Perfect. And then I was like, okay, but I can't give them two. If I give them two special tiles, they're going to be like, what do you mean you've given them special tiles, plural? That's only two. <laughs> and so I was like, what do I do? You're like, there's two is a two is plural. <laughs> two is plural, but like it's not plural in the same way as three. Yeah, if, yeah. I, if you say special tiles, you hope that it's more than two. <laughs> Right. And so I was like, what do I do? And I just had this moment where I was like, well, what if it doesn't do anything? What if there's a tile that just doesn't do anything and you just can't bid on it? And that is the other tile. It just doesn't do anything. It's a blocker. Because I couldn't come up with anything else. So it goes out and it just you just can't bid on it and then it leaves. And I was yeah. like, I don't need to test that. Because of course it works. It's already it's already <laughs> like, been tested. It's already been tested, right? Yeah. It's like someone has never there have been plenty of games where no one's bid on one tile. Right. It's fine. <laughs> like So yeah. Oh, so I is. quickly photoshopped up a tile that had a like a blank white square on it, and that was the blocker tile, and then I put them in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, no yeah. one questioned it since, so hey, it, works. It, it, works. Works, no, it works, man. I got some clarifications on how the rules worked for ordering stuff, and I was like, that is totally fair, because I did not clarify those myself. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, they're fine. <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. That's a great story. Awesome. That sounds like that sounds like how we would make games. Actually, we wouldn't even we wouldn't even like have anything ready. We would just probably all throw it in a box. Like, you promised <laughs> us a game. We're like, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> you got to make it while you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks again for coming on our podcast, Connor, and for joining yeah. our live stream earlier. We really appreciate you taking a huge chunk of your day to be with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Again, best of luck, um, Brevia at Pandasaurus. I think, like, like that one judge said, it's going to be successful. So, yeah, no, I think, I think it's a great game, and congratulations on all the success with it. And I look Thank forward you. to hopefully seeing something else yeah. in the future. Maybe in the future we'll <laughs> demo your second game or third game. That'd be amazing. So. I am currently pitching it right now, so we'll see. Awesome. Sweet. <laughs> cool. Thanks for having me. I had yeah. a great time. Thank you. But can our listeners find you anywhere? Are you on social media? Yeah, I don't really post anything anywhere. I don't understand social media, really. Like, I read it, you don't follow <laughs> it, but... And that's fine. I'm a socially anxious person anyway. So, <laughs> but my Twitter is at uh, Connor J. Wake. It's just my name, J. It's my middle initial. Someone already took Connor Wake. <laughs> and yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I have a website as well, ConnorWake.com. It's just got my like, it's got um, it's got a list of like projects I'm working on. Awesome. So, which Great. are semi-presentable. All right. All right. Well, thank you again. We appreciate it. I and mean, if you like what you hear, don't forget to follow us on your favorite streaming platform or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on all our social medias, Instagram at Friday Night Game underscore official, Twitter at Friday Night GMS, on our Twitch stream at Friday Night GMS, and on our website, FridayNight.Games. And if you have a game you'd like us to check out or preview on our podcast, shoot us an email at info at FridayNight.Games. Games. And like always, it's Friday night. Let's have some fun.